So, this is the self-development with tactics. Book. So, this one's gonna be about something. I don't yet know, you know, how to actually say what it is all about because it's gonna be about different things, I guess. But yeah, see you after the intro, as always. This is what we always are doing. And yeah, with that being said, hello, welcome back to the next episode of the self development with tactics fucking podcast and i'm pretty pumped i'm pretty pumped to be here going through some new article or some new things and i'm today willing to talk about something that's really important for me um to point out there so stay tuned for that um it is half past nine actually so it's relatively early in the morning and this is the second episode that i'm even recording you know this is the funniest thing about it like i'm finished like for today you know i'm not having to do anything else for today um besides uh suitcase things don't know <laughs> but yeah if you do not have the time for actually watching this 30 minute episode today i would heavily suggest you to go down in the description and check out the link to the podcast because then you can actually listen to the whole experience which is a way 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 more effective way to consume this particular episode because you can do something simultaneously and it's just better and also good for your mobile data you know, if you're on your mobile, because you're then going to save some mobile data as well. Um, but if you're on the podcast, you know, just right now, then check also out the links in the description or in the show notes to just get the link to the uh, YouTube video if you want to be on YouTube, you know. But yeah, um, I found a relatively interesting article from the CNBC Make It site uh, on Steve Jobs. And Steve Jobs said that technology is nothing so here's what he said it really takes to achieve great success. I'm not going to read the whole article because uh, I don't know. Uh, but I'm going to read those headlines, you know, because those headlines are going to spark some ideas. And those headlines are going to be pretty interesting. And the first headline that i just seen is tools are just tools. And it just really reminded me on uh, one of my teachers in school, uh, my typography teacher, actually. And he always said that... Um, our PCs are just our tools and it is definitely the case like you know these are just tools and the thing is you'll probably often hearing some people being like okay you know this is the fault of my computer and this is not my fault and whatnot but really often it is the case that it is their fucking fault like these are just tools and the, the tools are only as good as the user is and if you're not a good user and if you're not able to just use your fucking computer the right way then of course it's not going to work out, you know, it's not going to work out as good as for somebody that is able to use that computer really well or to use the certain software really well or whatever it is all about. So if you're just making some mistakes, some typography mistakes, for example, or some, I don't know, some writing mistakes, it's due to you, you know, it's not just, in, in certain cases, it's probably going to be, you know, the fault of the computer because, I don't know, some... Uh, some keys are broken and whatnot, so there's going to be just some different variables of that and some different things that could happen uh, where I can say, like, okay, you know, it is not your fault, you know, but it's the fault of the machine. But really, rarely it is the case, you know? It's really rarely the case. So, yeah, the, the next headline. I, but I do just think uh, I'm going to read this one, you know? I'm going to read this one. 
technology is nothing. What's important is that you have faith in people that uh, that they are basically good and smart. And if you give them tools, they will do wonderful things with them, he said. Tools are just tools. They either work or they don't work. Uh, put another way, Jobs believed that in order to achieve great success and create revolutionary changes in the world, we must learn to prioritize the intersection of technology and and the humanities, because that's how the best ideas emerge. Jobs took this philosophy seriously. Years after he rejoined Apple in 1997, it was clear that he had become a far better leader. His goal, according to Walter uh, I. Saxon's biography, um, who actually also wrote a biography about somebody else. So he's actually, I'm going to look him look him up afterwards. Um, Steve Jobs, you know, which is uh, the name of the biography, uh, was to build an enduring company that prioritizes people or prioritized people. Everything else, products and profits, will while still Im- while still important, would be secondary, which is something that makes sense, by the way. You know, it really does. And there is a quote: "Technology is nothing. What's important is that you have faith in people." Jobs' vision paid off. He had successfully shifted Apple's focus back to making cutting-edge products, which resulted in a phase of un. Precedented or precedented growth for the company. So here's how Jobs put his faith in people into practice. The first thing is he hired the, the right people and trusted them to perform. This reminds me again on something. You know, today is pretty interesting episodes. You know, the first episode that I recorded was actually also pretty good. You know, because it was packed with information, things that I was talking about and thinking about at this point of time, and this one as well. Like. I would say, you know, and this is something that I've stolen from Gary Vee, actually. <laughs> um, trusting people at first and then not trusting them any longer when they break your trust is, at my point of view, a far better approach to this whole situation than being like, okay, you're going to have to earn my trust. Yeah, of course, you know, it makes sense. You know, I kind of, I can understand that. I really can understand that you're not going to just uh, trust in anybody and everybody just in the first place. But, uh, but I don't know, like, you gotta have to do that. And if they're just not trustworthy, then of course you're not gonna trust him any longer, you know? But I don't know, like, I don't know if it is a good thing to let them work for your trust because it's, I don't know, it's first of all gonna take a lot of time, which is time that a lot of people aren't having and or a lot of companies are not having. And then second of all, like, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know if it would work out. But yeah. The second thing, you know, that he is doing is he delivered his demand for excellence in an inspiring way. Uh, Too many Jobs versions of having faith in people might not be considered the norm. His occasionally abrasive style of leadership has been described as terrorizing and extremely demanding. But as proven by Apple's success, it worked. Jobs' rudeness and roughness were accompanied by an ability to be inspirational. Isaacson wrote in a Harvard Business Review article. Indeed, Jobs knew how to infuse Apple employees with an abiding or abiding passion to create groundbreaking products and a belief that they could accomplish what seemed impossible, according to Isaacson. The author recalled Jobs once telling him, I've learned over the years that when, when you have really good people, you don't have to baby them. By expecting them to do great things, you can get them to do great things. I don't know. I believe in being nice and I don't believe in terrorizing your fucking employees. This is not something that I believe in. You know, this is also something that I would would not actually recommend to do. And if I would have some employees, 
I don't know, I would try to be just the best person to them. Of course, you know, some days are going to be just tough and you're going to be a fucking asshole. Happens to everybody. But, uh, but I don't know. I don't know. I just don't believe in being not nice to people. The third thing. He taught them about humility. Some people might get a chuckle out of, his, out of this one, considering Jobs was known to have a certain degree of arrogance, but he also had the capacity to admit when he was wrong and change his opinion entirely. Guy Kawasaki, former chief evangelist and Apple, at Apple, who worked closely with the tech visionary, told CNBC Make It that one of the most important lessons he learned from Jobs is that changing your mind, changing what you're doing and reversing yourself at an extreme is a sign of intelligence, you know, and not a sign of that you're fucked up or something. When Jobs first introduced the iPhone in 2007, for example, it was a closed system. No one outside of Apple could create an app for it. A year later, Jobs made a complete 180-degree reversal, Kawasaki said. He opened the system to the public after realizing how much more the device could offer customers with apps written by anyone with a good idea. In a world of stark... Uh, dichotomies, it's good to be fearless about changing sites or altering courses. I believe in that. I believe in that. He taught them to focus. And uh, the last one, last one is he engaged face-to-face. And I'm going to read this one because I believe that this is worthwhile. You know, worthwhile reading. If Jobs were alive today, it would be unlikely for anyone to get a Slack reply from him. According to Isaacson, Chops believed in the power of in-person conversations and always preferred face-to-face meetings. There is a tension in our network, networked age to think that ideas can be developed by email and iChat, he told Isaacson. That's crazy. Creative, creativity comes from spontaneous meetings, from random discussions. Even at Pixar, Chops made sure the building was designed to get people out of their offices and interact with others. The front doors and main st- stairs and corridors are led to the atrium, which hosts essentials like a fitness center, cafe, employee mailboxes, and the only set of bathrooms. It was meant to be the heart of the the heart of the headquarters, the place where people ran into each other, talked, and came up with the most inventive ideas. I gotta have to say, it just makes sense. You know, it really makes sense, and. And I don't. I also have to say that there just has to be a reason why Jobs was such a good uh, businessman, innovator, something like that. I don't know. Like, just has to be a reason. And I guess that the reason is that he just did a good job. I guess. But you know what? Something else that I'm willing to talk about today, and I'm gonna therefore change up the setup a little tiny bit. I guess. Um, we're gonna look up Tim Cook, and I've already looked him up, and we're gonna have a look at his, uh, Wikipedia page, you know, because I wanna show you something, you know, I wanna show you and all those fucking people that want everyone to be an entrepreneur, tell that, um, you don't have to be one. So, Timothy Donald Cook, born November the 1st in 1960, is an American business executive and industrial engineer. Cook is the chief executive officer, so CEO, of Apple Inc. and previously served as the company's chief operating officer under its co-founder Steve Jobs. And let's uh, have a look there, you know, I'm gonna just make this a little bit smaller. His salary, you know, because often it is the case and you're gonna, you know what, let's, let's see if, I don't know if this is actually a good idea... 
it could be a really bad idea as well, but I don't know. Um, I'm gonna see, you know, I'm gonna see if I can find such a, such a, a, a post that I, th <laughs> uh, I don't know, I just, I can't, I don't know, like, can I cover up some, some bit here, it, it's really, because I actually do not want to shout out anybody here, and I also do not want to get fucked by anybody. This is also, I think this is actually the greater part than the first one. But but it is like, I would like to show you this one. But I don't think I can unless I'm doing it like that. Yeah, that makes sense. So as you can see there, you know, there is an Instagram post, and I'm going to describe it for all the podcast listeners. There is an Instagram post, right? And um, it is about being an employee and being a fucking... Uh, it is actually about employment. And it says, the harder I work, the faster I will be the king. You know, this is actually the dream of the employee. And this is what the employee is thinking about. So it is left and right side. And on the left side, there is the employee saying that. On the right side, there is, is somebody, it seems to be kind of the boss of the whole company. Uh, the harder he works, the longer I will be the king. And this is what he says, and this is what the boss of the whole company says. Uh, what this just says is that uh, if you're an employee, you're basically, basically working for somebody else, and you're making somebody else's dreams come true. And uh, yeah, of, of course, it, it might be the thing. But I, I would argue that not everybody is meant to be an entrepreneur and not everybody is meant to be a business executive and not everyone is meant to... be an entrepreneur and just be on the very top of a company, just being the number one and whatnot. Not everybody is meant to be that and you should just follow your happiness. And if your heart says that you're not just meant to be, that if your heart says, it's not about your, your head now, it's about your heart. If your heart says that you should not be the number one in the fucking company, which would be the CEO, and or the number two, the president and whatnot, then just don't do that, you know? Why would you then? You know, it wouldn't make any sense if you're just making yourself unhappy, kind of consciously even, to just somehow fit in into what the trends say and what the community says and what people say nowadays that you just being an employee is shitty and whatnot and often it is also the thing that uh, I do just try maybe I'm gonna find something relatively quick this lawyer but the thing the funny thing is it's the first post it was the first post in my fucking entire feed it's just insane it's just insane how much of the shit that I'm getting and I do not even want to get them you know it's not a good sign for the whole algorithm I guess as I'm just thinking about it. But the thing is, um, you're often also going to see like people being like, okay, you know, if you're an employee, you're going to be poor as fuck, you're not going to make a lot of money, and, 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 and those shit, you know, this shit. But it, it's, it's not the case. Like, this is the reason why I've actually taken Tim Cook, because his salary is 15.7 fucking million, or it has been. 15.7 million in 2018 this is what he gets and his net worth is 1.3 billion 
and he has only been an executive. I don't know his history. It might be the case that uh, that he has also been uh, that he has also been like uh, well. As we can see there, in 2014, Cook became the first chief executive of a Fortune 500 company to, public, to, public, to publicity or to publicly come out as gay. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Cook also serves on the boards of directors of Nike, the National Football Foundation, so the NFF, I guess, I don't know, and is a trustee of Duke University. In March 2015, he said he planned to donate his entire stock fortune to charity. So it seems to be the case. I guess that a lot of his... I mean, like, his salary is his salary. I don't know how much of it is, is stock options. It's probably going to be quite some bit. But I guess most of his net worth is due to stock options. You know, I guess, you know, stocks from Apple because they are worth quite a lot. Um, but I, I'm, I'm really willing to read a little bit about his his upcomings. Um, so therefore, I'm, I'm just going to read here. Uh, after graduating from uh, Auburn University in 1982, Cook spent 12 years in IBM's personal computer business, ultimately serving as the director of North American Fulfillment. It was during this time that Cook also earned his MBA from Duke University, becoming a uh, Fukur Scholar in 1988. Later he served as the chief operating officer, so the COO of the computer reseller division of Intelligent Electronics and in 1997 became the vice president for corporate materials at Compaq for six months. Okay, this is what he did. You know, he worked in a company for 12 years uh, probably had a big, big, big fucking ass position in IBM as well after 12 years, I don't know. And I guess, I don't know, it has to do with skills, like, he's just a leader, I guess, you know. He's just also meant to be just that, I guess at least. You know, I, I don't know, but I guess. The Apple era, the early career. In 1998, Steve Jobs asked Cook to join Apple in a uh, commencement or I don't know what it is pronounced, I'm sorry, speech at Auburn University, Cook said he decided to join Apple after meeting Chops for the first time. Um, and there is going to be just a quote, I guess. So any purely rational consideration of costs and benefits lined up in Compaq's favor and the people who knew me best advised me to stay at Compaq. Or I don't even know what it is. Let's just see what it is. Compaq. It's C-O-M-P-A-Q. Uh, was a company founded in 1982 that developed, sold, and supported computers and related products and services. Comic produced some of the first IBM PC-compatible computers, being the first company to legally reverse-engineer the IBM personal computer. It rose to become the largest supplier of PC systems during the 1990s before being overtaken by HP in 2001. Um, so I guess it's not there any longer, I guess. No. <laughs> uh, so it seems to be the case that he just decided to do that, even though it um, wasn't the best decision. His first position was Senior Vice President for worldwide, for worldwide Operations. In relation to the role, Cook was quoted as saying, you kind of want to manage it like you're in the dairy business. If it gets past its freshness date, you have a problem. Cook closed factories and warehouses and replaced them with con 
attract manufacturers. This resulted in a reduction of the company's inventory inventory from months to days. Predicting or predicting its importance, this his group invested in long-term deals such as advanced or advanced investment in flash memory from 2005 onward. So as far as I'm or what I'm seeing there, you know, what I'm seeing there is that he has never been a fucking entrepreneur. Yeah, he's never been an entrepreneur. Like, he's of course a good leader, you know, I'm, I'm really not doubting that. I'm really not doubting that he's having just some skills that not a lot of people are having. It's probably be the case, you know, because, I don't know, if Jobs chooses you to just be the fucking vice president from the first moment on, then I guess you're just, I don't know, you do just have some skills. And, uh, yeah, you know, he's probably having some skills and he's like 58 right now. Like, I don't know, like, he, he has only been working as an employee in companies since uh, he's not he's born but like you know since university and i don't know like his net worth just uh, is quite high with 1. fucking 3 billion which is uh, like i don't know like it's a hundredth of what jeff bezos is able to just generate or what bezos is is, is having you know and he's an entrepreneur of course and whatnot but I don't know, like for an employee, it is fucking a lot. You know, let's actually look up uh, the CEO of Microsoft and see uh, what salary that he is having. Uh, Satya, I can't pronounce it, I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry for that, you know. Yeah, it's okay, I guess. No, I do not want to have a look at his picture. It's It's fine, I guess. Well, yeah, there we're having a, let's go to his Wikipedia page and see, or is it, no, it's the Microsoft page, I do not want to have that, thanks a lot, or, ah, there, there we have it, you know, uh, Sedia Nadella, he's a man, he's from, from India, I guess, yeah, he's born in India and he's 52, so he's, yeah, similarly aged, you know, to, to Tim Cook. He's living in Washington. Uh, he's an Indian-American. And his education is also... I don't know, there's no Harvard in it. You know, and there's also no Stanford in it and no Princeton in it. It is um, Manipal Institute of Technology, Manipal Academy of Higher Education, University of Wisconsin, uh, Milwaukee, or something, University of Chicago Booth School of Business, and that's quite it. His net worth is 272 million. Like, compared to the one from Tim Cook, it's, it's, it's not such a lot, but... But... I... don't know if he's an entrepreneur. No, I don't think that he's an entrepreneur as well. You know, according to just what I'm Seeing there, he is also not an entrepreneur. Um, CEOs that are not entrepreneurs. The, the thing is, what I want, what, what I want to point out there, 
is that even though, I do just also have to say, even though you might be an entrepreneur, it doesn't necessarily have to be the case that you're also going to be a good CEO. Like, it's two different things, you know? I don't want to say that it is two completely different things, but uh, still, I don't know. I don't know. As a CEO, you have to deal with people. You have to be able to deal with people. Like, richest CEO, CEOs. Like, it's, it's probably going to be the case that highest paid CEOs in 2018. Um, I know some names, and I hope that I'm probably going to be able to say who is an entrepreneur or was an entrepreneur and uh, which person is not an entrepreneur. Um but I guess they actually have chosen only people that are. The first one is Josh Sapen uh, from AMC Networks. So I don't know. The thing is, I can't tell whether those people have actually also founded those companies or not. Uh, but I'm seeing a lot of names that I'm not familiar with. Uh, let's actually see. You know, the first place should probably be uh, Jeff Bezos, but it is not. Therefore, I guess that it is only meant to be... What the fuck? Uh, Hock E10 Broadcom. The company is called Broadcom or AVGO. His annual compensation is 103 million. 100 million a year. And the company revenue is not public or something. But it is not even that much. You know, Frank... Bisignano, which is from First Data. Let's actually look him up because I want to see. I want to see if uh, if he's actually an entrepreneur or if he has been an entrepreneur or not. Now this is not what I want to do. Fucking hell! So, let's actually see. No, Frank. Is, yeah, there he is. Um, let's see. This article may have been created or edited in return for indisclosed payments. A violation of Wikipedia's terms of use. It may require cleanup to com comply with their whatever. So he's 60 years old. I know there's not a picture of him, unfortunately. Is an American businessman and the chairman and CEO of First Data. Well, businessman does uh, kind of uh, suggest that he might be. But well, wait, you know. Uh, he held a number of executive positions at Citigroup with American banker, writing that he got his payments industry bona fides at Citi by running its massive global transaction services unit. Uh, in 2004. The publication Treasure and Risk named him one of the 100 most influential people in finance. Hired as CAO of JP Morgan Case in 2005, CEO Jamie Dimon trusted him with integrating the bank's purchases of a foundering Bear Stearns, Bear Stearns costs and bankrupt Washington Mutual Inc. during the crisis. It's pretty interesting. So, so I'm not quite sure. You know? I'm not quite sure. Um, First, Fidelity, Leanman Bros, Citigroup, early roles in... Uh, so it seems to be the case that CEO of First Data... Uh, Bisagnano became the CEO of the private 
technology company First Data Corporation taking over from from Ed Labry. According to so it, I guess you know does businessman say that he's having his own company? I guess it actually does say you know. But as far as I'm reading there, you know all those things, it doesn't seem to be the case that he is also or has been also just like they don't say that he built a business and whatnot. But he often had some. Uh, well, they say that his salary is fifty one point six million, which is which is still a lot. Like. It really is a lot, and he's 60, so I don't know, like, what I want to say with this episode, you know, what I wanted to point out is that you do not have to be a fucking entrepreneur to make a lot of money, you know, you do not even have to be an entrepreneur to be happy unless it is something that is really in your genes, and this is really in your body and whatnot, but I just wanted to point out that do whatever, like, people are telling the whole, uh, the whole uh, just... uh, entrepreneurship thing is just such a trendy thing nowadays which I can't just understand like it is good it is great and it is fine and whatnot and you're able to make some money but but I don't know you're also able to make a lot of money you know and enough money by being an employee and you do not even have to be just I don't know the CEO of Apple to to make a lot of money you know uh, I don't know I know people they they're having a quite good life by being uh, of course, in uh, top positions, you know, in higher positions in the company, you're also going to be able to just make money, you know, and it's not that stressful than building your own business. And you're probably going to be able to just blame somebody else because unless you're the CEO of the company, you know, or the chairman of the whole group and, and whatnot. But yeah, you know, but still, it's pretty interesting to see that uh, Tim Cook is not only kind of the... Uh, the CEO of Apple, but also chairman and then also kind of advisor for some other companies and whatnot. So it's it's pretty interesting, you know, it's pretty interesting to see that. And I hope it has also been interesting for you as well. And with that being said, I wish you the best helpful, feminist and also success. And I also hope that you're going to remind yourself on how you're going to be remembered, which basically means your legacy, you know, which means that, okay, I'm going to be nice and therefore being remembered as a nice person. But in the end, uh, nah. It's not necessarily going to be the case because uh, we are 8 billion people on this planet, you know, and uh, chances are way too high that there's going to be somebody that just just hates you without any reason, actually. But yeah, um, so actually, Frank uh, Bisognano, which actually sounds to be... Uh, and an Italian name is was born in New York, but maybe his parents. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, um, I'm gonna see you the next time. And three questions that I hope that you're going to ask yourself are: Why are you here? What are you trying to change? And what is bothering you the most? And I hope these three questions are going to show you your purpose in life. You know, gonna tell you some things. And yeah. Gonna see you the next time, hopefully. So therefore, please subscribe if you want to. You know, if you've liked the episode, please subscribe. And hit me up on social media. And also, uh, yeah, just hit me up on social media. Would be really nice. I'll see you the next time, hopefully.